which is something that's really hard sometimes for entrepreneurs like myself. You, you, know, all these awards are only focused on the top line. There's, there's no award for the fastest growing bottom line. So it kind of gears your head uh, kind of in the wrong direction. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. If you ask anyone how to grow a business, their opinions will vary on what differentiates a fastest growing company from the rest. Some would argue that these strategies vary at each phase of growth. Others would say that the need for people, processes, and technologies changes as you grow. While you'll get tons of advice, there is no clear consensus on the formula for success. There is no better way of learning from growth than digging into the growth of a company that has been featured in the fastest growing Inc. 5000 list three times. In today's episode, we have our guest, Brian Burke from sellyourmac.com, who takes us through each inflection points in his company's journey and how the need for people, process, and technology changed at each step of his growth. Since they have accomplished significant growth in a highly competitive business, we test on their differentiators and what has fueled their growth. Finally, he shares his thoughts on how personal branding and social media has been the main driver of their growth. Let me introduce Brian to you. Brian is the chief Macman of sellyourmac.com, also known as SIM, S-Y-M, the world's most trusted and highest rated Apple trading company. SIM has paid out more than $38 million and has helped over 100,000 customers. Brian loves helping individuals and organizations stay up to date on their Apple products. As a lifelong learner, Brian has become a sommelier, an Apple certified Mac technician, a notary public, an ordained minister, and a certified scuba diver. Brian is passionate about empowering underprivileged students through gifting Apple technology. He believes gifting them a Mac can truly change their lives, their outlook on the world, and their future job prospects. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sam. I'm excited to talk to you and all your fun listeners. And I'm super excited to have you as well, because the kind of LinkedIn following you have, the, the buzz that you are creating based on your personal branding and the growth of your company is very exciting. I appreciate that. It's definitely a fun time, but we got to make sure the growth hits the bottom line, right? Amazing. So to start <laughs> off, do you want to introduce yourself with your intro? Sure. I'm known as Brian the Mac Man because I am incredibly passionate about everything Apple. I've been uh, dealing in Apple products now you know, basically back since college when I started buying, selling uh, phones was kind of the segue into my Apple business. 
And I launched a company called sellyourmac.com in 2009 and been growing that organically basically every year now. And it's incredible. We've had over 100,000 customers and been able to pay out over $38 million to our customers. So buying and selling a lot of Apple products there. And uh, we are very fortunate to have focused so much on our customer service that we are now the number one independently rated Apple trading company in the world. And really just built that uh, through having amazing customer service and trust at every step of the way. So it's been fun and I got a great team around me. You know, right now our, our team is 18 people strong working out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And, you know, we're operating uh, worldwide with uh, most of our focus on the United States. But we will work with anyone, anywhere. And really like making people's Apple trading experience as easy and fast as possible because people want their money and no hassle. And, you know, certainly we've earned some, a lot of recognition along the way. You know, you're talking about growth. You know, we were able to hit the Inc. 5000 three years. You know, our first year was 2015. And then we earned the title again in 2019 and 2020. So that's been pretty exciting. And uh, last year, I also was recognized as an EY Entrepreneur of the Year finalist. So that was an amazing accomplishment. That's something I had focused on to you know, try to get the recognition that I was you know, doing right in the business and leadership world. So that was certainly, uh, certainly one recognition there that meant a lot to me. And this most recent year, one of my goals was doing a TEDx talk to try to spread the word about my gifting of computers. You know, I'm very passionate about gifting Apple products to underserved students to really kind of give them the tools to help excel in their lives. You know, I was so fortunate growing up that I had uh, access to technology and I really want to pass that on to people um, that don't have that access. So it's been a, been a fun part of my journey and I uh, look forward to sharing, sharing more about it with you and your listeners. So what does growth mean to you? And I know you already touched on this a bit, but would you like to expand further in terms of what is growth for you? So growth for us, it's been you know, mainly organic over the years. And you know, I don't have any outside investors or anything like that. So there's certainly been some opportunities I've seen where we, we could grow faster, but trying to keep it more of a bootstrapped um, business did, did, keep us, did keep our growth down, frankly many years and you know just certainly uh the amount of money it takes to buy these apple products for instance and keep that inventory in stock that's one of the biggest things kind of holding back the growth but i've been able to you know keep keep it growing you know almost every year and you know this year in particular you know we went into it thinking we were going to have a lot of growth and then of course COVID happened and why there's a huge demand in our industry for product, there's really a supply shortage and people aren't upgrading their computers and devices the same way they were in previous years. So this year our growth's been down a lot and it's made me kind of rethink about what's important to the company and focusing more on the bottom line. And, you know, back when the, the pandemic hit, we kind of really tightened down and got rid of any extra expense that we could. And we're able to be profitable even while having a much lower top line. So I think that the dynamics of growth, not having the super focus on the top line actually, you know, can be helpful and try and put more emphasis on the bottom line. 
which is something that's really hard sometimes for entrepreneurs like myself. You, you know, all these awards are only focused on the top line. There's, there's no award for the fastest growing bottom line. So it kind of gears your head uh, kind of in the wrong direction on some of that stuff. In a way, I agree with you there, but obviously the the community wants to celebrate the the revenue and obviously the, the sales <laughs> is hard, right? I mean, getting business is hard. So if you are getting business, the goal is that you can find people like Jim Gitney and Jim Gitney is the guy we did the podcast. Uh, and if you have not listened to it, I recommend every listener and obviously you, Brian, uh, you know, listen to him. He's a real guy. He has done it. And he talks about companies at uh, different inflection points. So when you grow from... 10 to $20 million, $250 million, your need for the people, process, and technology changes. There's yeah. another interview that I would like to mention here is going to be from Wayne Seren, and he works with a lot of different boards. These guys refer businesses like you as lifestyle brand. So until you are $25 million, you are actually going to be called lifestyle brand, okay? So we are super pumped, That's super fair. excited <laughs> to see <laughs> your growth. But, you know, once you grow that point of lifestyle brand, that's when you are going to get attention of people like Jim Gitney, people like Wayne Seddon. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. And it, I definitely am seeing that the need for, for process um, and systems is a lot different just at our, you know, $10 million level compared to where we were at, a, you know, a few years ago. So it's hard, hard to catch up. And, you know, looking at our growth chart, it kind of showcases that, that it takes like a year for us to kind of catch up with our process and systems to then allow us to grow again. So this is what we are going to do, Brian, as part of this interview. So obviously, people, process, and technology. These are the three pillars that these guys like to touch in the ERP world, in the operations world, in the finance world. So we are going to talk about people, process, and technology in each of the years that you have done business. So let's start from 2009. How you were in 2009 with respect to people, process, and technology. Then oh, wow. how that changed into 2010. And I, we are going to be talking about, you know, just some take rough brackets there, maybe four or five, maybe from 2009 to 2013, if they were, they were similar. So sure. give me some inflection point in your company. So back in 2009, it was the first year we got an actual uh, building. You know, before that, we we're operating out of our basement, my basement. So I think from a, from a pure process standpoint, it was a huge issue that we were trying to cart stuff up and down stairs and whatnot and didn't have any great storage facility, didn't have uh, you know, any high ceilings to put you know, skids of product and stuff like that. So the biggest change for us was ha simply having the space to allow us to grow. And that's uh, something I've noticed multiple different times as we get to the other reflection points you literally are just slowed down on growth by you can't store enough products. So you're either trying to sell it too quickly at a lower margin or you're not buying it because you can't fit it in your warehouse. So, so back in 2009, I think we had about five or six employees at that point and we were operating at a 2000 square feet and we were able to operate there for about two years until we moved to our current building. And uh, at the time, you know, we didn't, we weren't using all the space when we moved in, you know, 2011, I guess it would be, but we needed that space to allow us to think about how we could, you know, fill up with more product. So trying to, I guess my advice for people in that regard is, you know, stay ahead of your spatial needs so that you're not feeling constrained and you have, have the room to grow. And every year on average, I'd say we probably add, you know, about one person. And, you know, obviously people are, some people, you know, leave for various reasons, uh, which are 
typically nothing to do with our company. Usually people are going off to get another school degree or, you know, simply moving or something like that. But we've been fortunate to hold on to almost all of our employees. You know, that's, that's why in team is, you know, basically lifers, everyone wants to stay around because we take care of everyone and we treat everyone, you know, kind of like family at our business. So, you know, 2000, 2012, we moved to the, the new warehouse right now. And the way it's set up is we have you know, a front office and we had a retail store in front. So that was our first time launching this retail store component. And, you know, before that people were just walking into our warehouse. So it was much nicer to have a kind of a true retail store, um, which unfortunately has just been closed a couple months ago due, due to COVID. But that was uh, a big, a big change for us and an inflection point getting the word out there more in the community. Okay, so we covered until 2012. So I don't think we covered until 2020. So, All right, so we'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, one of the biggest inflection points probably was 2014 or 15. I knew I needed to hire some more Apple expertise. So we were able to poach away a couple of the top Apple geniuses from the Apple store. And we're basically just offering a better work-life balance and that kind of small business environment is what these uh, people were interested in at the time. So bringing them on the team allowed us to, you know, get a little bit deeper understanding about uh, the Apple products and some of the repairs that we maybe weren't as familiar with and just kind of growing our bench there. And uh, those two, those two individuals are are still at the company and, uh, you know, being a tremendous help, frankly. And then, you know, we've been hiring more techs every year, you know, maybe about about one a year to try to grow the tech team. You know, we have a big focus on repairing things when they come in that are damaged. You know, we much prefer to sell a working unit than just to sell the, the parts kind of for the, uh, for the part value. And, you know, even if the parts might have, you know, more money individually, we feel like there's just such a benefit to getting that working computer to the end user. So that's been a big focus of ours. And it takes you know quite a big tech team to get all these things repaired. So while we're not offering repair service to that many people right now, we're just trying to repair everything that we get in house. And we get, you know, I'd say about 70% of our product comes in, it can be wiped and reloaded and uh, can be you know sold fairly quickly. But the other 30%, you know, might need a new hard drive or new battery or something like that to help get it back to kind of a fully working unit. And we're, we're calling these units now Renewed Max, which is the name of our e-commerce website, renewedmax.com. That's where people can go now to buy directly from us, make it kind of super easy to you know find us on the internet and not kind of avoid the you know, eBay and Amazon, other channels out there. Figured we like to go direct to the customer. And then the renewed max was something that just happened at the beginning of this year. So that was a big inflection point that we launched our own e-commerce store. Because before that, we were kind of tied down to eBay and Amazon and just uh, other you know bulk sales that we were making. So we, we really wanted to have our own customer channel there. So that was very important to us. Okay. Did we miss any other inflection points? i'm sure i could talk for a long time about different changes we've made um but those those are probably the biggest ones you know getting the different warehouses to allow us to scale and just kind of continually adding new team members to help us help us keep the growth up yeah we are going to do the diagnosis of your growth today brian so yeah we are going to talk about every single detail (laughs) (laughs) i love it (laughs) 
Okay, so we started with people, process, and technology, right? So you definitely spoke about some people need there. You uh, spoke about a little bit about process. You also spoke about uh, you know business model, but I don't think you touched on the technology architecture at is uh, as no, we it didn't. The ERP <laughs> <laughs> technology architecture. I mean, we are talking about the overall technology need how it evolved so yeah. walk me through from 2009 maybe you did your invoicing on quickbooks maybe you captured your orders on i think you guys have drupal right and i don't know if you are comfortable sharing that with that with the audience can you talk about the technology oh, architecture I mean, back then it was so manual i mean we did most of our sales on ebay so that all came through paypal and we used paypal for our invoicing software we my accountant used QuickBooks, but you know, we didn't use it. So we were keeping, you know, notes on Excel documents and stuff like that and just, you know, handing that stuff over. So there really was no internal system that was running our entire business. But if you uh, fast forward to about 2015, we decided that we needed an internal system and we kind of looked in the ERP market. We couldn't find anything that was quite what we wanted. There was certainly options out there to allow us to inventory and catalog products. And there were some that allowed you to, you know, list on certain channels like eBay or Lightspeed and some stuff like that, but nothing that was as customized that we could control straight from the website, our quoting process all the way through to the sale. So after, you know, doing a bunch of research and, you know, realizing we could have started with a, you know, an SAP type ERP system and then had to spend all this money, you know, customizing it, we decided we'd just go full custom. And we worked with our, you know, current uh, website programmer and we scoped out the project and we thought it was only going to take about a year. It ended up taking about four years. So that was a huge learning is that software is expensive and very time consuming. And we were not a software company at the time. So it was a, uh, a headache, I guess, for us, you know, kind of learning through that process. But in the end, um, about a year and a half ago, we launched an amazing new ERP system that is still uh, customized just for our need and allows us to you know, really dial in every single aspect of the business. You know, when someone's getting a quote on the website, our, our system's pulling all that information in and sending you know, custom messaging to them you know, virtually every step of the way from when they get the quote to when they get their shipping label to uh, their shipping information, when it arrives, it tells them, you know, we've checked it in, they get another email telling them that we've wiped it clean. And then when their payment goes out, they get that, they get that information. And then in the system, we're able to, you know, move everything through a process um, that, you know, we've really uh, tweaked for our exact needs that it, it flows the item depending on what it is and what any kind of issues it might have, you know, either straight to one of our sales channels or straight to one of our techs to repair it. And it really allows us to record all this information in a way that I hadn't seen in some of these some of these ERP systems. And adding all these new custom fields, you know, kind of as needed, has been you know really helpful for us. Um, I you know I see some of these issues from other companies or industry when they're sending over reports, and you know they're they're kind of hampered by whatever the you know fields and dropdowns they have. Versus you know we're kind of constantly dynamically changing that. And as the products themselves change. I see having the customized system or at least the ability to customize it as a, a huge win-win for us. Um, you know, just looking at the new Apple Max that launched, you know, this last month, the M1, you know, they're going to be so different that you're going to have to have different fields in there to account for these things. 
so that uh, so I guess at this point we're kind of happy we have it customized, even though we're you know kind of constantly retooling it to make it better. <laughs> okay, interesting. And how does the Apple ecosystem works? Uh, so are you authorized reseller? And I'm sort of confused with respect to your business model, to be honest. So my understanding of your business model is you are buying these used computers and you are uh, you know refurbishing them. And again, uh, you know I don't understand. So so I don't know if I'm Describing it well, but my understand. <laughs> Sorry, what's that? That is spot on. That is what we do. Yeah. So, so you are doing that. I mean, that's just the refurbishing of your your Apple computers. So, is Apple number one excited about it? Number two, how you are different from any other Apple refurbishment shops? Sure. So, Apple actually is excited about it, and you might not guess that, but they do like having. Excuse me. They do like having these companies in the ecosystem because it helps people buy new product. And they realize that even though they have a trading platform, that they can't do it all. And certain customers might have different needs. So having these companies out there, you know, like like mine, SellerMac.com, we're able to kind of fuel people's uh, pockets with more cash to have them then go and, and buy more products. And we're not Apple authorized. And if we were, we technically wouldn't be able to sell the used stuff. Um, they'd only want you to sell the new stuff. Um, we do have Apple authorized technicians. They call them ACMTs, which I am also one of those. And you know that's our only true Apple certification. But Apple's had conversations with us, and it's uh, it's been friendly. And you know they said they respect what we do. So that was a, a nice thumbs up from them. And you know, I, I kind of see this as a, a crowded space because you know, there's so many companies now getting into this that the way we're able to differentiate is really uh, through, through trust and reviews. And like I mentioned kind of at the beginning is that we're the number one most trusted independent trading company. And it's just taking care of the customers, basically how we've gotten there. If there's ever an issue, we're just fixing it very quickly versus some of these other companies, you know, aren't offering as customized communication and as much help along the process. So I think just by being always being there and being super responsive, um, we've been able to kind of get our head above some of these other businesses in, in the same space. And we also try to offer uh, a great value. There might be some out there that could offer more, but they also, maybe they might change their, change their pricing after they get it. So, you know, our, our price is, is set. We're going to pay you that price. As long as you send it in and it's what you say it was, you are, you are good to go and you'll get the full amount. And that's also allowed us to kind of keep that positive review up is that we've never scammed anyone. So it's good to always uh, take the high road. <laughs> okay. So I don't know I, what I'm missing here. So let's say if I'm a consumer and if I'm trying to sell my Mac, I have yes. two choices. Either I can come to you and obviously since you are a growing company, you are probably going to be expensive because obviously your fee is going to be there. Now, the other choice is going to be, and I'm actually going to bring an example. So let's say if I'm trying to sell my car, I have two ways of selling my car. Either I can go to a dealer or I can sell, let's say, on Craigslist or, uh, or, or eBay. Kijiji, <laughs> right? eBay, exactly. So why is somebody coming to you and why trust matters so much in this business? Because the only thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying to sell my computer. And I'm trying to get the cash out. So why do you need yeah. trust here? It's mostly about the hassle of you trying to sell it and trying to go to these other sales channels. If you don't know how to properly wipe the computer, for instance, you know, your data security would be a huge issue. And obviously you're, you know, you're an enterprise tech guy by background. So, I mean, you'd figure that out no problem. 
But I, most of the general consumers, I think, are very worried about their security and would much prefer to sell to a trusted party than sell to someone that they don't know if they're going to you know, wipe the data properly and stuff like that. And then from a time standpoint, if you were to list your computer on eBay, for instance, you know, you might spend an hour taking the photos and making the listing, another couple hours responding to questions over the week as the bidding goes on, and then, you know, another hour packing it up and taking it to the post office. First, if you were trading at sellermac.com, you would get a label in your email instantaneously, and all you have to do is just pack it in a box, and we're going to guarantee we wipe it. Uh, it's really hassle-free at that standpoint, and you're going to get you're going to get uh, a great value. It might not be as much as if you sold it yourself, but I think when people consider the the time and the hassle that goes into it, I think that's where it makes the most sense. Yeah, so basically you are making it easy for the consumers, and obviously Apple buyers are going to be you know slightly affluent category. If I uh, you know like to put it, they are. Sure. Uh, they they make a lot more money than than average consumers, so obviously they can afford this, I guess. And the experience that you are providing, obviously, experience is the big deal here, right? So tell uh, tell us some of the aspects of the experience that are really differentiated for you at this point of time, and why consumers come to you. I want to touch on that, but can I say one thing first? Because you mentioned that it's that very affluent customer that uses Apple, and that's one of the the gaps I'm trying to bridge. You know, when we're selling these products that are, you know, 30 to 80% less, that is allowing consumers to get their hands on, you know, maybe their first or second Apple device at a price that they can afford the technology and in most cases, you know, get the same use out of it that they would have gotten anyways. You know, the, most people don't need the brand new, you know, Mac that just came out to get their work done and, you know, do their email and photos, whatever they might be doing. So I see what we're doing as offering to help bridge that gap between, uh, potentially the affluent customer and someone that just really wants access to the technology. Yeah, love it. And there is a market for certified cars. I mean, this is the same business model, I guess, in case of uh, yeah. car industry. So there are going to be consumers who love it. I mean, definitely you are serving the need. And obviously, you know, there is no question that Apple hardware is going to be superior than any other hardware out there. I don't know if anybody's going to argue with that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you guys out there might argue. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I argue the experience, okay? So we like spreadsheet. Apple does not provide me the spreadsheet. That's why we are not sold on Apple. I would love to use Apple every day if I could use this spreadsheet on Apple. But in our case, for finance people, for operations people, there is no way they can use Apple. It doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the problem. And, and the same goes for uh, Google as well. I mean... Gmail is amazing. There's no question about that. Okay. But it doesn't work for us. Yeah. We are in a different ecosystem. So fit is very important. This is what we talk about when it comes to uh, utilizing the system, utilizing the, uh, utilizing anything, I guess. I mean, fit is very important, right? I, I agree. And I, I think also keeping that all under one ecosystem, like if you have to use PC because that's how your business operates, it might not make as much sense to have you know, an iPhone, because maybe, maybe it doesn't sync quite as well. Um, so trying to keep that all in the same ecosystem is something that I'm very popular of. Exactly. And I would guess your customers are going to be primarily in the school community, software firms, marketing firms. They are big Mac users and Mac would make a ton of sense for them, to be honest. Yes, exactly. Going after the all the people that are using the Apple ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, so we were talking about growth, Brian. So I don't know 
if we have touched on every single point but i am actually looking to grab the secret mm-hmm. sauce that you have right so far uh, you know the secret sauce seems to be in my experience is number one your customer experience and obviously the the branding charisma that you have over linkedin <laughs> i'm trying <laughs> so, to bring passion so so tell me how uh, was the brian the macman born what was the genesis of that how did it start T- tell me the story behind that so it kind of started with the blue suit and i learned about the blue suit from the orange suit guy who runs an IT business in Cincinnati called Intrust. And he did a really good job kind of branding himself with the orange suit. And it, it caught my eye one day and he recommended I go to this website to, to buy a blue suit. And I, I went ahead and did that. And I took it to my first trade show a couple of weeks later. And everyone was coming up to me to engage a conversation with me and I wasn't doing anything. And the only thing I could point to was the blue suit. And people would walk up and just tell me, I, you stood out because you had the blue suit on. So I kind of knew I was onto something and I started using it more and more online and, you know, pictures and videos and stuff like that and kind of grown that into a little bit of a personal brand that when I show up online, I'm in the blue suit. And right now, if you looked at me, I'm wearing all blue. I have my, you know, Sutter Mac <laughs> blue shirt on. I'm not in the blue suit, but if you we are were, speaking blue right now, by I the way, <laughs> <laughs> if we were recording live, I would a hundred, <laughs> a video, I would a hundred percent be in my blue suit. So I think it's being, it's being consistent. You know, if I was wearing a different suit color every day, I, I wouldn't be that memorable. But, you know, picking a color and kind of standing by it has, has definitely worked for me. And, of course, it's also my company color. So it wasn't just picked out of thin air. You know, Sutter Mac is blue uh, and white. So those are my, you know, kind of two, two colors. You know, I wear the blue suit with a, a white shirt. So it's very fitting. And I've loved blue my whole life. So that, that was an easy tie-in for me there. Um, so I think it's just being that being memorable and showing the passion why having something that's eye catching, I think is key. So I think you have to have the combination. If I just had a blue suit on, but I was super boring and I didn't engage with people, then it wouldn't work either. So find, find your memorable outfit and let the passion shine is my recommendation. Yeah. And, uh, it's kind of interesting. And I don't know if you know this guy called Oliver, the jewelry guy. I not yet, but I'm sure I'll link up with him tonight. <laughs> okay, so he is going he is going to be on every single bus out there, okay? This guy is phenomenal with respect to his charisma, okay? The way he likes to portray himself is he's a very rich guy, okay? Very greedy guy. The kind of, you know, picture you get by looking at him is, you know, he's a very greedy guy. But obviously, you know, when you're greedy, when you're rich, everybody wants to come after you because everybody wants to be like you. I don't know, I mean, if that works or not, but I mean, you know, that does have some sort of magnate there with respect to uh, with respect to branding and marketing so i used to wonder i don't know i mean if i would ever do that because that is that is sort of interesting i don't know if this guy looks funny uh, you know he's holding these uh, jewelry in both the hands and he is super 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 magnetic personality i mean once you see him you can never forget him Okay, so this is a very old sales tactic that that you have followed. I've to be seen honest. that a lot. I, mean, I know people that go with the flashy look, and it definitely attracts a certain type of audience. So I think it depends what you're selling. Like if yeah, if you're selling a course that's going to make you rich, then if you look rich, I think it helps. You have to do the right thing. So in this case, yeah. I mean, see if you look at him, you will picture jewelry. I'm telling you, man, you, you are going to picture you'll gold. Never forget. <laughs> 
So in your case, let's say if I look at blue, I, I, I mean, it, that does remove. Well, you should be humble because if you appear that you are already, you know, wealthy, then why would someone even care to do business with you? I guess they're like, oh, well, he's already he's already made it. It's not going to help him if I work with him. But, you know, for us, it's like we have a small business and we're uh, trying to support our, our team members and their families. So it's like, you know, we, we haven't made it yet and we still do need to keep growing and be profitable in order to help our team out. So I have a perspective on that. So, uh, you know, whether you want to come across as humble versus you want to come across as greedy. Okay, both works equally in sales and marketing. So yeah. if you look at, uh, you know, the old, plain old real estate people, they, they used to be, they, I don't think you would call them humble at all, right? Definitely not. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they had to show their, their richness the affluence and if they don't show then they were communicating that they were not doing well and if you are not oh, doing well true. probably you are I, not smart that consultant type of our position you know being a realtor i think that does make sense so i think it maybe is you know industry or you know uh company specific exactly and that's why you see all of these salespeople driving the the fanciest car wearing the fanciest watch i don't know if they get any roi <laughs> On those watches and cars. <laughs> but I'm, they have to I'm do it. I'm wearing a blue Apple watch, if anyone cares. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. I mean, see, if you yeah. if you wear Microsoft, then I don't know how many people are going to be buying Apple. So you are doing good, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. I got to wear the right colors. <laughs> All right, brother. So that's it uh, for today. I think we have the recording for roughly 30 minutes. That should be good for 20, 25 minutes is what... We like to record. Do you have any last minute closing thoughts? Well, I would love to offer a bonus to all your listeners. And if they want to sell their Mac at sellermac.com or any Apple device they have, they can use the code MACMAN, one word, M-A-C-M-A-N, and that'll give them a $20 bonus when they go to sell. And also, if they went to renewedmacs.com, they could use the same word MACMAN to get a $20 discount. So I want to make sure I can help everyone out there get a little bonus or discount. Okay. Anything else, Brian, before we close? It's just been a pleasure talking to you, and hopefully we can help out some of your ERP customers trading their Apple gears, and they can upgrade their ERPs even more. Amazing. Love it. Love love <laughs> uh, Brian the MacMan. Uh, it's very hard to forget MacMan, I guess. Oh, thank you. Well, if they follow me on LinkedIn, they won't be able to forget I'm in a blue suit every day. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> All right, Brian, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, sir. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up stuff from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Brian, please visit sellyourmac.com. Sim would love to sell your old Apple devices so you can get the cash and someone else can benefit from your used device. Use promo code MACMAN. It's M-A-C. M-A-N for a bonus on your trade-in. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Sarah Wansamfree from Ships, who touched on why LinkedIn is essential for personal branding and community development. Also the interview with Joe Sullivan from Gorilla76, who touched on different aspects of social media and marketing and why marketing organizations need to be reinvented with COVID-19. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. 
If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.